home improvements, home renovations, home maintenance, home repairs, and all the other challenges of home ownership. Welcome to the Thumb and Hammer Home Improvement Podcast. Hey folks, my name is Doug, and this is episode 23 of the Thumb and Hammer Podcast. Well, it's that time of year. As 2017 winds down and we look forward to 2018, we are seeing a lot of articles and posts about what is going to be trendy in the coming year and what trends are going away. Paint companies started announcing their 2018 colors of the year back in June. And Pantone, the folks who are behind industry-wide color standardization, just announced their color of the year more recently. So, if you want to be on trend in 2018, you'll have to decide who to listen to. Sherwin-Williams' color of the year is Oceanside, which is a deep, moody shade of blue. PPG, their color of the year is called Black Flame. Glidden has selected Deep Onyx. And Bear has chosen a color called In the Moment, which is sort of a spruce blue. Benjamin Moore has gone for a red shade called Caliente. And of course, the big news, the most recent news is Pantone's color of the year, which is ultraviolet. So take your pick of blue, black, red, or purple, I guess. Seriously, who decides these things? You want to know how I decide what color to paint the walls in my house? (laughs) I ask my wife. When I paint, I plan to live with that color for at least five years or more. Trends come and trends go, apparently annually. I sure as heck am not going to paint every year. So even if we chose the color of the year, it's going to be dated by this time next year. I mean, come 2019, the 2018 color of the year will be so last year. My wife and I, we pick colors that we like, that we can live with. We don't care about trends, although I will admit that we did hop on that grayish bandwagon for our family room, for whatever that's worth. But when it comes to trends, let me give you an idea of just how trendy I am. I bought my first house in 1996. It seems like only yesterday. I had the house painted, mostly beige, but I did introduce a bit of color in two of the bedrooms. The color that I chose for the master bedroom was green. Why? Because I like green. But the green that I chose was a sort of a teal color, and when it was done, it just didn't look good. So the painters recommended a darker shade of green. And I guess that would have been called Hunter Green, which was an extremely popular color at the time. But, you know, I only agreed to it because it was green. So now with the rooms painted, it was time, for lack of a better word, to accessorize. I needed bedding and the window coverings that were left behind by the previous owner were kind of beat up. Well... This was 1996, so I turned to the Sears catalog. Um, It's kind of depressing, really, that Sears is no longer a thing in Canada. Um, 
They declared bankruptcy back in October, and they're just in the final days of liquidation. Now, for those of you who only know online shopping, there is something visceral about leafing through a catalog and seeing all these completely matching bedrooms with everything you need to complete the look. You know, you got the bed in the bag, the curtains, the rugs, and they're all available in whatever size you need. So I was leafing through the catalog looking for something that I could live with for the bedroom. I mean, I'm a guy, I'm not that fussy, but Big flowery prints certainly were a no-go. And uh, cornflower blue? Mm, No, thank you. But then I came across the Southwest style. It helped that the dominant color was green, but the only thing that I really cared about was that it was a masculine style. Like I said, I was a single guy at the time. I ordered the bed in a bag, the matching valance toppers, and a matching rug. Oh, and and some new blinds, of course. Now, the valance toppers were interesting. They were designed so that they could be stuffed with tissue paper to make them poofy. They were called poof valances. It's kind of a weird trend looking back on it now, but um, safe to say that I never actually poofed my valances. Sounds kind of dirty, doesn't it? So anyway, I got this whole Southwest style bedroom ensemble at a time when the Southwest style was happening. The bedding lasted well past the time that I got married in 1999. The valances were still hanging over the windows when we sold the house in 2003. And the rug moved with us from that house to the house that we call the money pit. And now to our current house where it is now in the guest room. Still being used. Almost 22 years later and probably 21 years since the Southwest went out of style. The point is, trends come and trends go. And that brief moment in time when I was trendy, (laughs) that was mostly an accident. It's easier to be trendy with soft goods like bedding and window coverings because these things can be changed out easily. Other things cannot be changed so easily. So you wouldn't want to change them each time the wind changes directions, so to speak. Things like carpet and appliances and furniture are meant to last a decade or more. I clearly remember growing up in the 1970s, the horror of olive green and harvest gold appliances was all too real. Fortunately, my parents were not trendy folk. So when I sold their house, following my father's passing in 2008, It showed a whole lot better with the white appliances they bought in 1974 than it would have had they bought Harvest Gold appliances. And I gotta wonder if we're gonna someday look back on stainless steel the same way we look back on Harvest Gold now. But really, it's not like it's very difficult to change out appliances, it's just expensive and wasteful if they're still working. It's that whole function over form thing. You know, I don't think I've ever made it through an entire episode of House Hunters. It always drives me nuts when one of these entitled jerks, for lack of a better word, complains that they would have to rip out a fully functional kitchen just because it's 20 years old. Ew, it's old. It has to go. Cabinets can always be painted or refaced, you know. I swear, sometimes I just want to reach through the screen and, uh... 
Well, let, let me give you the example of my parents' kitchen. They got new cabinets put in back in 1986. So when I put the house on the market in 2008, the kitchen was almost 22 years old, which I suppose would make it a candidate for a remodel. But here's the deal. I went around to some open houses to sort of gauge the market and get an idea of how much the house was going to be worth based on the comps. So I go to this one house that had been completely renovated, i.e. it was probably a flip. And I got into a conversation with the agent. I mean, first of all, I let him know that I was just a nosy neighbor or a looky-loo, and that I was only there to get an idea of how much my parents' house might be worth, because, well, I believe in being honest that way. Well, this agent gave the sales pitch anyway, and part of that sales pitch was the brand new kitchen. Frankly, I didn't see anything that special about it, but okay. I didn't want to be rude, but I did tell him that the kitchen in my parents' house was nicer. He asked me how old it was. I told him it was done in 1986. He asked about the style. I told him it was oak. He scoffed. He told me that it was going to be a tough sell. I told him that I respectfully disagreed. He offered to come around and take a look. Now, I warned him that I was already planning to work with another agent, but he was, of course, more than welcome to drop by. So after his open house, he shows up at the door, and I give him the tour. His reaction to the kitchen? Oh, (laughs) that is nice. It shows well. And such and such. One feature that this kitchen had was drawers for pots and pans. Now, the concept of drawers in the lower cabinets... I believe, was fairly new when my parents had it done. And I have no doubt that this was what made all the difference. Now, it could have just as easily gone the other way. Had lower cabinet drawers only been a passing fad, then this kitchen would have been outdated. But as it was, it aged exceptionally well. It also helped that my mother had been meticulous in her housekeeping and kept the kitchen in top condition, at least for the first 13 years until her health started failing. But even after that, it was still well-maintained. But the point is, even though on paper it was a candidate for a complete remodel, this kitchen showed well, proving that just because something is old doesn't necessarily mean it's outdated. Function trumps form. If shows like House Hunters are to be believed, it seems that just move in, is a foreign concept to most buyers. One rather common renovation is to remove walls, to create an open concept kitchen. Now, open concept or open plan is a popular design in new construction. It allows whoever is preparing dinner to still be part of the conversation. It's perfect for entertaining. And it simply makes the living space feel more spacious. But I recently read a few articles about how open concepts days may be numbered. People are noticing the drawbacks of having their kitchen on display. They don't necessarily want their guests to see the mess they make during food prep or the stack of dirty dishes in the sink. An open concept is noisier. The clanging of pots and pans is not limited to a self-contained room. And cooking smells? Well, of course, they are harder to control as well. Open concept has been a popular design for a few decades. 
Is it destined to become, dare I say it, outdated? And what about those older houses where people removed the walls? Are we going to start rebuilding those walls to restore the original floor plan? Something to think about. I remember one time my wife was watching some show on TV about house flipping or property development or some such. Or maybe I was flipping through the channels myself. Doesn't matter. But on this particular show, the developer was talking to the camera about how he would usually do a travertine floor. But he was looking for something different for this project because, as he said, travertine is so last year. (laughs) Really? So what you're saying is that any projects you did last year with travertine are no longer in style? Good to know. Why are we so obsessed with updating everything? I admit there have been some questionable design choices in the past, like the dark walnut wood cabinets in the kitchen of the Brady Bunch. But in a lot of cases, there is something to be said for the original elements. When we were looking at open houses a few years ago, there was one house that was built in 1970 that still had its original bathroom tile, and by gum, it was gorgeous. Our real estate agent turned up her nose at it. It's old. Well, maybe she was just doing her job here. Maybe the age of the bathroom could be a negotiating tactic to help drive the price down. But where she was looking at the bathroom as old, I was looking at it as original. To me, that meant a couple things. First of all, for the bathroom to still look that good after 45 years, it must have been properly built to begin with. And therefore, it's not unreasonable to expect it to last another 45 years. It also meant that nobody had messed with it. We were moving from a heavily renovated house that the previous owner had butchered. And I wasn't exactly looking to fix someone else's mistakes again. Original condition, for me, was a selling point. And yes... The bathroom was a time capsule. You could tell that it was original to the house because the emerald green colored tiles were certainly of that era. You can often tell the age of a bathroom based on the color of the wall tiles, at least for the last 70 years or so. My first house was built in 1952. The bathroom tiles were blue. Capital B, capital L, capital U, capital E, blue. Like a medium sky blue. A boy blue. My parents' house was also built in the 50s. And it had a pink bathroom. Capital P, capital I, capital N, capital K. Pink. Girl pink. The 1950s, it seems, were all about these juvenile colors. In the 1960s, things toned down and got a little more sophisticated. Gem tones were in, like aquamarine and turquoise and emerald green. Then in the 1970s, someone decided that they had enough of color, and earth tones now became the trend. Almond, beige, tan, acru. Take your pick. At some point in the 1980s, there was almost a revolt against the blandness and 
the pendulum swung wildly back to color. Bold colors like deep burgundy and hunter green and navy blue. Sometimes used for accents, sometimes used for the dominant color. Either way, such bold color choices limited other decorating options when it came to paint colors and towels and that sort of stuff. So when the pendulum swung again, it swung to the most neutral color of all. In the 2000s, suddenly, subway tile was everywhere. Pure, white, pristine tiles. Usually installed in a brick pattern or sometimes to create more visual interest in a herringbone pattern. Subway tile has always been around, but now it was everywhere. I remember the first time I saw it on TV. I thought it was something cool, something different. But alas... Sooner or later, everyone wants to be unique, just like everybody else. Now, it seems there is no escaping subway tile. It's funny because last year, someone that I follow on Twitter posted that apparently her hunter green tile is now coming back into style. And I responded something to the effect of, well, that means that everybody who ripped out their hunter green tile and replaced it with subway tile were now going to have to rip out their subway tile and replace it with hunter green tile. Because, you know, some people chase the trends. And chasing trends isn't the best idea because the trendier, uh, excuse me, the trendier you are, the more likely it is that whatever you do today will look outdated tomorrow. Harvest gold. Back in 2009, we had a major renovation done to our money pit house, and part of that renovation included a dream kitchen. The reason for renovating the kitchen was that the old kitchen was poorly laid out and was built with cheap materials. Old, outdated, that never really entered into the equation. Once again, it had more to do with function than form. But anyway, we went ahead with a completely new, professionally designed kitchen renovation. For the cabinets, we chose natural cherry for the richness of wood without being too dark. And for the style, we chose the simple, clean lines of the shaker style. Nothing too ornate, no fancy arches or fluted details. And the result was a timeless look that won't look like it's stuck in a time warp. Speaking of time warps, Predicting trends can be a bit of a gamble. Ever notice designers are only looking a year ahead? Why do you think that is? How many of their predictions are going to stand the test of time? I remember going to one open house. It was probably around 2000 or so. Now, this house was probably built in the 1980s, and it had a lot of extras. One feature that stood out was this beautiful built-in cabinet shelving unit in the master bedroom that was designed for a small television set. It was probably big enough for a 20-inch set at the most. 14-inch was more likely. This was in the days before digital when TVs were as deep or deeper than they were high and wide. And they had square screens. Obviously today, that built-in would be completely useless for its intended purpose. We still had an older television in our bedroom until we moved a couple years ago, but technically that built-in was rendered outdated by about 2007. Technology changes fast. 
Designing permanent features around technology is not the best route to take. When we renovated the second floor of the money pit, I was determined that it would be future-proofed. And to that end, I ran CAT5 and coax cable to several locations. CAT5 for telecommunications and networking, and coax for satellite. Wireless and technology for computers was fairly new. And one of my techie friends told me that for speed and security, you still wanted to have a hardwired connection to the internet whenever possible. The choice at the time was between Cat4 and Cat5. Well, bigger number is better, right? I actually ran Cat5e because if bigger number is better, then bigger number plus letter must be state of the art. Well, within a couple of years, Cat6 came out. And now it looks like Cat7 is the current standard. But also, wireless technology has become so reliable and so prolific that the only hardwired connection that we ever needed in that house was between the entry point of the internet service provider's cable and the wireless modem. Future proof. (laughs) Yeah, right. Now, I know what you're probably thinking. What is this idiot talking about? Hey, I know that I'm kind of all over the place because, well, there's no easy answers. Trends come and trends go, and you are going to have to live with your choices for a while. Fact is, I really don't know what I'm talking about. I only know what I know from my own point of view, so take whatever I say with a grain of salt. But if you want my advice, here's what I think. Some things are easier to change and adapt than others, so go for the easy stuff before doing the heavy renovation stuff. Respect the original character of the house. It's a lot more work to restore period features once you've ripped them out. Period features, by their very nature, are dated. You need to weigh the value of going modern or trendy versus staying true to the original design and architecture of the house. Obviously, some things need to be updated to keep up with modern demands, but flexibility and adaptability are key. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. Consider function before form. Because, you know, trendy does not necessarily age well. Don't get caught up in what is trending. Timeless is what you should be shooting for. And if you don't believe me, remember that Graceland and the Playboy Mansion were both hip and modern at one time. And look at how they've aged. Today's fill-in-the-blank is tomorrow's harvest gold. Finally, and this is most important and probably contradicts a lot of what I've already said, it's your house. Home ownership does come with a certain amount of stewardship, but ultimately, you are the one who has to live with it. Make your decisions based on what works for you and what will make you happiest and most comfortable. Before I finish up here, I would like to take a moment to talk about a promotion that I've been advertising on this podcast. 
You see, uh, back in April, I was approached by an agency on behalf of one of their clients about advertising on this podcast, and we settled on an affiliate relationship. That's where any sales that are generated from my special link and coupon code would result in savings for the customer and in a small commission for me. Win-win. Well, as it turns out, the person who contacted me has since left that agency and the client has moved on as well. Well, I reached out to that advertiser directly and I haven't received a response. It appears that my tracking link is still active, but I have no idea what is going on with the coupon code or if any of this past agreement will be honored. The advertiser that I'm talking about is Thomas Avenue Ceramics, and I still recommend that you take a look at their website if you're looking for tile. Just be aware that the offer as advertised on this podcast may no longer be active. And with that said, I am going to wrap up this episode of the Thumb and Hammer podcast. The website is thumbandhammer.com. You can find me on Twitter at Thumb and Hammer. Subscribe, rate, and review on iTunes, Google Play, or Stitcher. Thank you so much for joining me. I will talk to you again soon. Cheers. Oh, yeah, and uh, happy holidays. Cheers. Cheers.